Carlos and choir and orchestra, thank you. <clears throat> what a beautiful rendition of Psalm 1914. That really is our prayer, isn't it? That the words of our mouths and the meditations of our heart would be acceptable in God's sight, our Lord, our rock, and our Redeemer. It's good to be with you again this morning. I had the privilege of seeing your pastor this week. We didn't get to speak long. In fact, I'm not sure that I could spend quite enough time with Dwayne, but he misses you and looks forward to being back in August. Little Bird tells me that this coming Wednesday is a certain person's birthday. And I gather that if you were to drop him a line, far be it from me to tell you that he's going to be 50. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but if you were to drop him a line, uh, I'm sure that he wouldn't mind. Although I would mind if you were to tell him that I was the one who told you that uh, he's going to be 50. That's all, just 50. If you have a Bible, would you take it and turn it to Galatians chapter 5? And if you don't, there is one provided for you in the pew rack right in front of you. It's page number 946. Or if you would prefer to simply read it off of the screens, uh, options are what we want to offer. Galatians chapter 5. So you're stuck with still until uh, Brooks returns from sabbatical and still has learned to stick with scripture. So here we go, 525. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, a trespass, a transgression, however you would like to render it. You who live by the Spirit should restore that person in a spirit of gentleness. But watch yourselves or you may also be tempted. Carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks that they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructor. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. A man sows what he reaps. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to the spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, better, as we have time, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers or the household of faith. It has been said that yesterday is history, tomorrow is a mystery, today is a gift, that's why it's called the present. It's a bit cute, perhaps a tad trite, but the source of this saying, although debated, offers us wisdom for the living of these days. We can celebrate and commemorate the past. We can anticipate the future. 
But when the smoke clears and the dust settles, we hang our shingle on the door called today. This is where we reside. But unwrapping the gift that is the present is fraught with all kinds of challenges, isn't it? Someone somewhere said that each day has enough trouble of its own. That's Jesus in Matthew 6. One of the stiffest tests we face on a daily basis in seizing the day is dealing with uncertainty, ambiguity, and the anxiety that can arise from the same, living as it were in the time between times. You know what I mean, don't you? You know what it's like to live between conception and delivery, baby dedications and personal decisions, childhood and adolescence, adolescence and adulthood, commencement and employment, employment and hiring, singlehood and marriage, divorce and remarriage, grief and relief, gridlock and breakthrough, oh for breakthrough, (laughs) payments and paydays, economic downturn and market upswing, will it ever, project planning and ribbon cutting, deposition, prosecution, diagnosis, prognosis, and the list could go on, but you would not off, so I stop. But we know what it's like when Paul says, now we gaze in a glass enigmatically. Or less profoundly, John Denver, life ain't nothing but a funny, funny riddle. (laughs) We know what it's like to be uncertain, to live in the time between the times, between alleluia as it were and Maranatha. One of the reasons that Paul wrote the letter that we now call Galatians is because there were competing visions how we should live in the time between the times. There were teachers that Paul no too fondly dubs agitators, troublers, who had come into these Galatian congregations after the apostle had left. And they were saying that Paul has given you a good start, but he's offered you a partial gospel, not the full Monty, not the genuine article, not the, as it were, the whole enchilada. And so we've come to help you go forward in faith. And here's what you need to do. You've embraced grace, but now you need to live life according to the law. For those of you who are males, this would entail circumcision. Painful, but profitable. On you go. For those of you in this fellowship who would like to live in a God-glorifying way, this means that you will now need to start following dietary laws, calendric observances such as Sabbaths, feasts, and special days. Well, the apostle gets wind of this, and it has once been suggested by Christopher Evans that some of the New Testament is ill-tempered. And I wonder if Evans had just read Galatians. Because if you read this letter, this is a fiery response to what these teachers were saying to the Galatian Christians. 
Paul fires back, as it were, and says that you ought not live life in this way, not under the law. Recall, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. I do not nullify, I do not set aside, I do not count for loss the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died needlessly. Paul wants the Galatian Christians to recall how Christ was placarded in front of them. The Christ crucified of which we spoke last time we were together. And Paul wants to impress upon them and by way of extension through the Spirit to us that we are to live life in the time between the times by keeping in step with the Spirit. But the question comes, how does this happen? It sounds fine on a theoretical level, walk by the Spirit. But how does this occur on a practical plane? Thanks be to God, Paul helps us as we seek to negotiate this nettle. In the first instance, he says, if we are going to keep in step with the Spirit, then we need to learn how to balance bearing one another's burdens and carrying our own load. On the one hand, we are to bear one another's burdens. It says it in the text before us, for in so doing, we fulfill the law of Christ. This seems somewhat ironic, doesn't it? Paul's pushing back against the law and now he appeals to the law of Christ. But the law of Christ we learn in chapter five of Galatians is the law of love. In this you fulfill the entire law that you love one another. On that occasion where Jesus was asked, what is the first and the foremost command? He said without flinching, you would have thought that he had thought about it. That the first and the foremost command is that you love God with every fiber of your being, heart, mind, soul, strength. And the second is likened unto it, that you would love your neighbor even as you love yourself. Recall Jesus and John said, by this all people will know that you are my disciples, that you have love one for another. So we are to bear one another's burdens, yes, and we are to carry our own load. We are not to anticipate that someone else would do that which God has grasped us to do. In this way, we are fitted into the body beautifully by God's providential grace so that we would all together be what we can't be by ourselves. So if we are to walk by the Spirit, stay in step with the Spirit, we are going to learn how to balance, care one for another. We are our sister and our brother's keeper. Ask not for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. And by pulling our own weight, by all getting on the same side of the rope and pulling in the same direction. If we're to stay in step with the Spirit, we will also embrace certain commitments, commitments that are woven beautifully into the text before us. 
the first of which is to choose concord over discord. Apparently, the Galatian Christians have gotten at cross purposes one with another. Although the teachers have offered them a smooth spiritual path, apparently they've encountered plenty of bumps in the road. And so Paul in Galatians 5, 26 says, let us not become conceited, provoking and envying one another. Relations are beginning to break down in Galatia. We see in 5.15, if you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. This vice list, that is the works of the flesh that Paul mentions in Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 through 21, the center of this list focuses upon discordant relations. It's interesting, isn't it? He says the acts of the flesh are multifold, including hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy. Paul calls these Christians to concord, not to discord, to live above with saints we love. Oh, that will be grace and glory but to live below with saints we know. Well, that's another story. (laughs) But it is this story that we're living together. Christ in you, the hope of glory, not just him, not just you. It takes two to live one story. And we, as the body of Christ, are swept up together in this narrative of narratives. How are we to stay in step with the Spirit by embracing certain commitments, including concord over discord, care over conceit? We've mentioned it. We return to it. Don't become conceited, 526, but care, care. We care by sharing, 66, one who receives instruction should share. We share by bearing, as we've already noted. And we share by ministering to those in our midst who have lost their spiritual way. Note in 6.1, if someone is caught in a sin, entangled in a sin, you who are walking by the Spirit, restore this one and do so in a spirit of gentleness, lest you yourself be tempted. We restore. The word pictures behind it in that remarkable collection of reflections upon the New Testament text by A.T. Robertson, word pictures on the New Testament. He notes that the idea is a fisher mending a net so the catch will not get through the hole. That's what it means to repair. Or it's like the doctor setting the bone so that the bone will grow back appropriately, evenly and heal as it ought. This is that which we are to do. We are to choose care over conceit. We're to be mindful of the sister, mindful of the brother, doing all that we can do 
to extend the spirit and the love of the Lord Jesus into their lives, another commitment that is ours, if we would stay in step with the spirit, is we will choose discernment over deceit, concord over discord, care over conceit, discernment over deceit. Note with me in 6-7, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. God will not end up with mud on the face, as it were. God will not have the nose thumbed at him. We will reap what we sow. If we sow, for example, apple seeds, we can anticipate pineapples, or so I'm told. (laughs) I wouldn't know myself. I'm neither a farmer nor the son of the farmer, a grandson of a farmer, you understand, a little bit removed. Speaking of seeds and sowing, we will not only reap what we sow, but we'll reap more than we sow. It has been said that any fool can count the number of seeds in an apple, but only God can count the number of apples in a seed. And we will sow the wind, but we will, the prophet says, reap the whirlwind. And so we need to be mindful of what we're sowing into the fields of our lives because we sow a thought and we reap an action. We sow an action, we reap a habit. We sow a habit, we reap a lifestyle. We sow a lifestyle and we reap a destiny, but it begins with a single seed. We don't walk into a movie theater in full body armor, packing heat to use that group gathered as target practice when we wake up one morning. It begins by the thought and the lifestyle. We're mindful of the gravity, even in our own lives, and for those who suffered so tragically at the hands of this one who has lost his way. If we would be those who stay in step with the Spirit, we would be those who choose discernment over deceit. Yes. And well-doing over weariness. Ever get tired? Ever think to yourself that I'm about to throw in the spiritual towel? You wouldn't be the first. You won't be the last. This word comes to us not only to offer a pastoral kick in the pants, but a pastoral pat on the back. Scripture is that which comforts the afflicted and afflicts the comfortable, and this text does both. Don't grow weary in well-doing. A story is told, it's a famous fable. You read it to your children or have heard it as a child. It's about the tortoise and the hare, you know it. Here they are at the starting line, the gun sounds and they take off, the turtle none too fast. The hare way ahead decides it's time to sleep and he does. Upon awaking discovers that the turtle has been making progress, slow steps, same direction. Startled, races toward the line Minute Bolt from Jamaica, that remarkable sprinter who we're about to see in the Olympics would have been jealous, but the hare cannot beat out the turtle at the line. 
And we learn from the story that the race is not always won by the fastest one. And we realize that it's not for the swift, but it's for the steadfast. And so by God's good grace, we redouble our efforts to be found faithful, to do good while we can do good. Jesus says that the day will come, night comes, that no one can do good works. So work the works of God while the day remains. And so we don't grow weary in well-doing because we're convinced that someone somewhere, that is God in heaven, is keeping score. Don't grow weary in well-doing for in due time you shall reap if you do not lose heart. One more thought and then I'll sit down. If we're going to stay in step with the Spirit, we have to choose gratitude over grumbling. I don't know about you, but it's easy for me to grumble, just to grumble. Even though Philippians tells us that we're to do all things without grumbling or complaining, it is so easy for us to be like that wilderness generation, isn't it? We didn't like Egypt when we were there, but we're convinced that we want to go back to Egypt. The flesh pots were better than the slavery, mind us. But for some reason, we want to return and we choose gratitude. But we're grumbling over gratitude, but we're called to be a people of grace. It has been said that for Paul, religion is grace and ethics is gratitude. So we live grateful lives to extend our love, worship back to God. We give him back the life we owe that in thine ocean depths its flow may richer, fuller be. Galatians begins with grace and peace. Galatians concludes with the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. This letter ought be like our lives. It begins with grace. It ends with grace. And grace finds a place all the way between because it's grace that's brought us safe thus far. And it's grace that will lead us home. Our loving God, we pray that you would allow us to open ourselves to your spirit, spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us. And that the spirit of Christ would so rain down on us and reign in us that our lives would be a witness of your grace, of your power. As we gather this morning, there may be some who've never embraced your grace. And our prayer at this point would be that they would place their hand in the nail-scarred hand, that they would know Jesus Christ who loved them and gave himself for them. If there are those in search of a church, we pray that they this day would invest their lives in the life of this church by 
joining by letter, by statement. For those who sense a movement in their lives, drawing them to full-time Christian service as a minister, as a missionary, maybe this day would be the day to make that commitment or to recommit or to any other sundry of things. But Spirit, we need not name them because we know that you call us and you are calling us home, even now, by your grace, through Christ our Lord. Amen.